evening is from Proverbs 12, verses 12 to 22. So turn your attention to the Word of God from Proverbs chapter 12. Remember the ideas that we have. We're going through 1 John in the morning, and then we have a corresponding passage in Proverbs. So um, we, we had the Antichrist from 1 John chapter 2 this morning. So here we have Proverbs 12. Whoever is wicked covets the spoil of evildoers, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Amen. Even 
prophets, um, um, you know, there's there's a historical narrative, and so the proverbs are different in, in that regard, and so we keep that in mind when we come to them. But they're also striking in um, their pithiness, or their shortness, or the and their directness, and that's um, and so when I I thought about what, what line traces itself back to a proverb. I could have gone to any number of places in Proverbs, uh, but, but I was struck with um, the fruit of the lips of the righteous um, that is found here in, in chapter 12. And, and so the title that I presented was The Fruit of the righteous, and even though in verse 12 the word fruit is not even actually in the, the text, it's uh, actually a byproduct of, of uh, the root, and it is assumed by the English translators that there will be fruit as a result of being rooted. And that fruit uh, is uh, one that the scriptures talk about continually, right? What is the fruit of those who are rooted in righteousness? And immediately it takes you to other places. And what strikes, struck me as we talk about the Antichrist in 1 John, and it is uh, a theme of John's throughout, is the mark of the Antichrist is he's a liar. And he twists the truth. And then I think of my own life and my own tendencies in that regard. What, what is our instinct in telling the truth? Our, our instinct is so often not to be forthright and truthful and it goes back again to the fact that we are born in trespasses and sin and our, we have a nature that is sinful and the, uh, the heart, our heart has to be changed so that we do not speak and act in such a way that we constantly violate the ninth commandment, which is, thou shalt not bear false witness. We are to not only not lie, but we are to speak uh, in a way that uh, edifies and builds up others and honors the Lord. And the devil, from the beginning, and his offspring, who is the various antichrists, some of which we talked about this morning, and, and ultimately the the Antichrist that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks of, what will be the mark of that? It will be um, those who tell lies. And in contrast to the wicked who lie, says in verse 12 of 12, chapter 12, whoever is wicked covets the spoil of the evildoers. Why do we lie? We lie because we want what the world wants. And, and because of that, uh, are the wicked, because the wicked covets to spoil the evildoers, uh, they lie. But in contrast, the root of the 
righteous bears fruit. Turn in your Bibles. I think we're going to start, you know, insisting that we bring our Bibles back to church. I think we've had long enough without our Bibles. But Psalm 1, the blessedness of the righteous, the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. God expects from his people fruit. We uh, remember Jesus as he approached Jerusalem, he saw a fig tree, and and uh, even though it wasn't the season for figs, uh, he cursed that tree. And, and he, he cursed it as a parable for Israel who had been in rebellion. We were just there, and it was uh, early in the spring. There were green figs everywhere, but they were not suitable to eat. And I thought about, about that, that parable, that, that the Lord who made the trees, who planted them by streams of water, has the right to expect fruit. And spiritually, he uses the tree as an analogy of how God expects fruit from his people. And this section, this particular section of Proverbs, is all about the, the fruit of uh, righteous speech. Verse 13, an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous escapes from trouble. Fruitful speech bears witness to the truth. Lying speech bears witness to itself and its own desires. It bears witness to the coveting for the things of the world that is referred back to in verse 12. This is a classic example of that Hebrew parallelism. It says one thing in one verse, it matches it uh, in the alternating verses uh, 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 down, down the um, list. And it, it, is, um, it is a device, a teaching device for us um, that we might not transgress uh, the commandment, the ninth commandment, by bearing false witness, because it is such a serious thing. I've observed court cases. I, I marvel at uh, uh, the fact that there's still a Bible used in most court cases. They pull the Bible out. You put your hand on the Bible and you swear an oath to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. I marvel that that's even still a part of our culture. But our whole legal system, everything in our culture depends on telling the truth. And yet we have a culture where lying with impunity is the order of the day. And I, I couple of lawyers here, I could ask them, how, how often are perjury cases even brought? 
Because it's easier to lie. Well, let me put it this way. Um, for some people, it's it's harder to um, tell. I mean, when it would be easier to tell the truth, it's uh, people to lie anyway. It is uh, it is an incredible phenomenon that we're living in, and I, I do believe it is a sign of, uh, of one of many. Uh, that our culture, our society is just falling apart. It should not surprise us. Again, where where did, where did the whole trouble uh, in the Garden of Eden that we inherited come from? It began with a lie. And what was that lie? God has not said in his word that that what he said was plainly true that in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge and, and of good and evil you will die and Satan said that God lied he accuses God of, of not being true he knows when you eat of it that you will be like God and all sin, including this sin, is at its essence an attempt on man, by man, to follow Satan's devices who declared himself to be God. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Again, go back and read 1 John chapter 2. The spirit of the Antichrist is to be like God. The spirit of the born-again believer is to glorify and exalt God and to praise him and to emulate him in every way, including speech. Jesus, in his ministry, was often falsely accused and lied about. He had, from the beginning of his public ministry, an ongoing battle with the religious rulers of the day. And one of their tactics against him constantly was to lie. Um, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, we see this. Um, they were committing the unpardonable sin. They were blaspheming and attributing to, to Satan the works of Jesus. In other words, they simply could, didn't care uh, about the truth at all. And the sins of their lips were such that they were blaspheming Jesus. And Jesus makes it very plain in chapter 12, verse 32, Matthew that whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come to speak against the Holy Spirit is to attribute to the devil the saving work of Jesus again the person who commits the sin has no concern that he at all that he has committed this sin 
like the Pharisees. They had no concern at all that they were blaspheming, blaspheming Jesus. He goes on, he says, a tree, there it is, a tree shall be known, uh, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. This is what he's saying about religious people. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is where truthful speech comes from. It comes from a changed heart. It comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What, what is, the, what is uh, the first instinct of Adam and Eve after they rebelled against God? It was to lie to God. We didn't do this. I didn't do this. She did this. It was to point the blame to others. When what God expects from his people is that we speak truthfully. Jesus goes on in verse 36. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We will all give an account of every idle word, every lying word. The, the truth of Christ in us should compel us to speak the truth in love. Is that my phone? No. I'm good. <laughs> Again, this parallelism continues in um, verses 18, beginning of verse 17, uh, through the next part, um, um, through verse 21. Whoever speaks the truth, he gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. So there it is, honest evidence. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence. In contrast, um, a false witness utters deceit. Verse 18, there's one whose rash words are like sore thrusts. In contrast, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Here it is reversed, truthful lips endure forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No evil befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. You see the contrast? Sword thrust. 
the lying tongue is sword thrust. The, the lips of the righteous bring healing. The lying lips don't last. The one who speaks truth lasts forever. Lying lips produce hatred. The truthful lips produce peaceful peace and joy. The lying lips are full of trouble, and yet no evil befalls the righteous. And here is the worst thing about lying lips. They are an abomination to the Lord. There is nothing worse than being uh, described as an abomination to the Lord. The devil is a liar. All who follow him are liars. And the Bible is clear. That's everyone. <laughs> we go astray from birth speaking lies. We constantly want to believe the lies of the world. We, want, we constantly want to believe in the lies of our own flesh and the devil himself because it speaks to us. It, it, it builds us up. And it's the same, it's the same tactic the devil has run since the Garden of Eden. Uh, you don't listen to God. He doesn't care about you. Listen to me. The assessment of God in verse 22 is that God hates lies. The final assessment of how much he hates lies you can find in the book of Revelation, which I referred to this morning. I'll just have you turn there with me. And, um, chapter 21. This is when the new heavens and the new earth are, pre are presented after he has judged a wicked world, defeated Satan, thrown the beast into the pit with Satan and conquered, and the Lord Jesus is conquered. He says in verse 7, the one who conquers will have his heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. That's in 21 verse 7. But read verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. It takes spiritual discipline to tell the truth, and a lie would be so much easier. It takes a repentant heart that will swear to its own hurt rather than tell a lie. We're constantly tempted to cover our own sin. We're constantly tempted to make ourselves look better by lying and to make ourselves uh, uh, be, uh, seem to be something that we're not. And the truth is 
our weapon. If you're a child of God and you have a changed heart, you don't want to lie. You just want to tell the truth. You want to be honest about who you are, where, where, uh, what your identity is in Christ. I think of Matt Lee's excellent sermon on identity from Jonah 1. Um, Jonah didn't embellish who he was. He just, matter of fact, he told everyone who he was. This is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what, why you need to throw me overboard. That's a painful thing to come to. To speak, to swear to your own hurt, to know that I have done this. But in so doing, when we tell the truth about our sin and what we have done, we cast ourselves on the mercy of God and we are delivered. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't listen to the Antichrist lies that are just being told. They're just, they're just... I listed a list, a litany of things. I thought about ten more this afternoon after the sermon that I should have listed. That are antichrist spirits in the world, the lies that we're being told that you're, that you know you should be happy now and you shouldn't have to uh, wait to fulfill, uh, you know your needs. You should have it all now. That's that, that's just a constant litany of lies. That God doesn't have your best interest in mind that uh, he's just keeping things from you. The truth is, the only way to be secure and confident in this life is to be secure and confident in Christ alone. And to come to the place where nothing else matters. I, um, in preparation, I didn't, couldn't think of a, a good place to put it in, but I put it in now. Uh, the persecution of the early church was brought home to me in, a, in, in this, this journey we took. We went to Rome, and then we went to Israel, and then we studied how the early church began. While well, I was in Rome, I got to thinking about how the, how the early church was uh, persecuted. And uh, reading this, it started in under Nero, and I, I, I honestly used to think um, that it was uh, most intense with Nero, but it just had started with Nero. Nero, like, like uh, Julius Caesar, the first Caesar, demanded to be worshipped. Uh, his successor demanded to be worshipped, and then Nero demanded to be worshipped as gods. And Nero came to uh, see the Christians as the primary threat, and, and it went on and on through the Roman empires, uh, all the way through uh, the 200s AD. And the church was brutally persecuted for over 100 years. Because they would not bear false witness about their testimony of Jesus. They would not worship a lie that Caesar was God. And how there were groups of Christians who, who um, compromised. They compromised to keep from being killed. 
and how after the persecution ended when Constantine was converted and ended the, the official view of the Roman Empire that Christians uh, were a cult and had to be exterminated, um, there was a, a bitterness toward those who had compromised. That's why the book of Revelation is written. It had such a present application to the church for the first 200 years, and it should have the same present application for us because what what does a lie do a lie is a way for us to escape what we think is is the, the horror of, of persecution or, or, or uh, shame or whatever somehow a lie is going to do the truth will set you free and who is the truth? Jesus made it very plain that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the truth. The opposite of the lie is a truth. The, the message of Proverbs 12, 12 through 22 is that God delights in those who are faithful to swear to their own hurt no matter what it costs, in order to exalt and honor Christ, to be faithful. Um, and and uh, we stumble. We stumble like Peter. The little servant girl asked him, weren't you one of his disciples? No, not me. And he did it three times. There's good news in that for all of God's children. And Peter would learn the grace of faithfulness and obedience from that lie. The graciousness of God to have that cock crow at the exact time he said it would to deliver him uh, from the bondage of lies. We tell ourselves so many lies. The truth, and the truth, when the truth would be uh, easier to tell, we'll tell a lie anyway because that's our nature. Just be, God wants his people to be honest before him, to be completely transparent, and to tell the truth no matter what the cost. Because the reward of telling the truth for the child of God is far beyond anything in this world. And so as we close, let's consider how we can be truthful in all our being. Let's consider the ways we've been untruthful. Let us repent of our sin and turn to the living God through what Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank you for uh, gathering us here. We thank you for your word. We, we do know who is a liar but the Antichrist. Who is a liar but the devil. He's the <laughs> arch liar. Uh, who is a liar but us. We, the Bible is very plain. That we go from birth. We come from birth speaking lies. Father, it's so in our heart. And unless the Holy Spirit transforms us by faith, we'll continue in a lie. We see in your word where all liars end up, and 
We are not of that number who have our faith and trust in Christ, but we have remaining sin. So help us to be brutally honest before you and with ourselves. And Father, filled with joy that we have a loving, forgiving, gracious God. Deliver us from the fear of man that uh, leads us to lie. Deliver us from covetousness that leads us to lie, to get what we think we need. Help us to be completely honest before you and others, Lord, especially those who are close to us, that we would uh, know the joy of forgiveness and the truth. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.